We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Dove Valley Deep Divers. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Friday evening. Joining me and Lance here, or if you're happening to be tuning in on iTunes, watching back later on Facebook or YouTube, or listening on Spotify. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Um, tonight, we're going to be doing things a little bit different. I'm going to be kind of running the show. Lance is going to kind of take in the analyst side of things here. And we are going to be talking about some bold predictions about the Broncos and specifically their players uh, over this upcoming season. But before we get to that, Lance, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, man. You know, just uh, struggling with the new work schedule and everything. It's been kind of beating me down. It's hot. Um, no air conditioning in the house until uh, just a little bit ago. So I apologize for being all sweaty and everything. So uh, do do just kind of bear with me. But doing good, man. It's it's good to be here on a wonderful Friday evening here with my my good friend and colleague, Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. So, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, uh, I'm excited. Like, I always like talking about bold predictions. It really helps get my blood flowing and increase the excitement for the season. Um, guys, anybody watching this, tuning in, make sure you guys go check out milehighhuddle.com. I currently have two articles up talking about five bold predictions, one for the offensive unit, one for the defensive unit, and I am currently waiting for a publishing on a one about talking about offensive players and then working on one for defensive players. So make sure you guys go check that out. I won't be really giving a whole lot of bold predictions tonight. It's mostly going to be Lance. Again, thank you guys for joining us. Going to say hello to the chat before we jump in here. Dylan Von Arks, thank you as always for jumping in and helping run things behind the scenes, as well as Scott is here behind the scenes running, helping run things. Kevin Gray coming to send, even in Broncos country, Eric Lance and Scott, big mile high salute to Broncos country. DBFL MHH for life. If it goes well, 10 and 7. If it goes well, I think 10 and 7 is about the the about where I could see it, see the Broncos going. Seth coming in saying, even in Broncos country, Dylan, Eric, Lance, and Deacon Scott. MHH for life. See y'all when it starts. Um, Jan Fitz coming in saying agree. Uh, Kevin, worst nine and eight or ten and seven is their call. Um, and just uh, Keith Brumman saying coming in and saying Lance, just pretend you're sweating out there on the berm. LOL. Um, so tonight, as I said, it's going to be bold predictions, obviously. Um, so Lance, obviously, there's I I know what your bold predictions. We talked about them before we went live here a little bit so one of them is the running back and it's a running back that we've talked about a lot here javante williams go ahead and give us your bold prediction about javante williams well first thing first just want to say hello to everybody in the chat and thank you for all uh thank you all for joining us we appreciate you for being here on a wonderful friday evening but uh my bold prediction here on Javante Williams kind of goes into a, a, a statistical analysis piece that I read on fantasyfootballers.com and regarding running backs on their first year back from ACL surgery. It's uh, a long piece, very well written. I'll get into some more of that here in just a minute. But my bold prediction about Javante Williams, obviously we don't know if he's going to be ready to start training camp. All signs are pointing that direction, um, not even for the, the beginning of the season. So, if Javante Williams plays in 14 total games, I think he's going to rush for over a thousand yards this season. This is a, a team that's very prepared to run the football a lot. They, they've 
have made their intentions very well obvious with uh, Sean Payton's word over the um, over the course of the offseason. They've also you know brought in a lot of road grading offensive linemen, and they want to take the football out of Russell Wilson's hands. So a good way to do that is give it to your your grinding running back in Javante Williams. And if he does play 14 games, I think he, he's in for a big year this year. Yeah. And of course, as the chat is reminding us, I mean, we saw it before we went live and I totally spaced it that to start off the show, the Broncos did sign somebody. They signed another kicker, Brett Maher. Um, last year, obviously before the playoffs, he was actually pretty accurate. He did a pretty good job. He made 29 to 32 field goals and 50 to 53 um, extra points. Then the playoffs started and obviously he had that infamous, what was it, like 0 for 4 start on extra points against Tampa Bay, ending mm -hmm. 1 for 5. And in the playoffs in general, he was 1 for 6 um, on extra points. And that's just not a good thing. It's pushed a lot of people away from him. Um, but it's competition for Elliot Fry, which is good. It was needed. It was expected. What are your thoughts on uh, bringing Brett Mayer in? Mm -hmm. Well, like you said, he Prior to that, the, the yips, and as Mike Kliss confirms here with his report, he had the, the extra point yips in the playoffs. And prior to that, he was actually a pretty accurate kicker. I believe he was like 30 or 34 or something like that throughout the season and was, was actually one of the more accurate kickers in the NFL leading up to that point. And like you said, this was a very expected move. Elliot Fry being the only kicker on, on the roster to this point, uh, they just moved on from Brandon McManus earlier in the season. There needed to be a competition. They didn't need to go into a season with Elliot Fry, who I believe kicked like four total field goals in his career prior to this point. So you, you've got to have experience. Maher has plenty of it, regardless of the, the playoff failures that he had this last season. He's been one of the better kickers, more consistent kickers in the NFL over the last what, four seasons prior to, you know, bouncing around the league for a little while there. Uh, I believe he was with the Dallas Cowboys from 2017 to 2019. Was was pretty decent for those guys. Bounced around the league. Uh, was a lot of practice squad, offseason duty, uh, just kicker competition stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I think that Maher probably has the uh, is the odds-on favorite to win this job moving forward as, as it stands right now, just because Elliot Fry is so inexperienced. Yeah, he made he was eighth last year in field goal percentage, making ninety point six percent of it, going twenty nine of thirty two. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean he's got that experience. He can he does all right on kickoffs as well. Um, it was always weird to me that Elliot Fry was the guy that they went and signed first, and not um, Brett Mayer. So obviously we'll have to see how it goes out. But I do think that this is the guy that's probably the favorite now to land the kicking job mm -hmm. over Elliot Fry. Um, over the limited workouts, if they were comfortable enough with Elliot Fry, they wouldn't be bringing somebody else in. Yeah. Um, that, that's just uh, my opinion here. Um, we do got some bold predictions in the chat, but before we grab those, getting back to Javante Williams, now you have him picking up a thousand yards in the season on what fourteen games, correct? Yeah, fourteen games. I think that um, I, I think that with his with his grinded out and physical running style, you're going to see a, a lot of those not really explosive runs, but those very physical runs that you saw with him in his rookie season. And I, I understand with the torn ACL, there's uh, a lot of studies that have, that have actually happened. I'm going to go into this just a little bit. Um, this, this article is called the impact of ACL surgery on um, fantasy football running backs. And it, I believe they did 15 total running backs that they, um, that they examined over the course of 2015 to 2021, going back as far as like Jamal Charles in 2015, Deion Lewis, Darren Sproles, guys like Dalvin Cook, Jay They all really kind of suffered a, a big setback in their first season back in terms of yards per carry and yards per contact or yards after contact on, uh, on average per attempt. That's why this prediction for me is bold because Javante Williams is that very physical style of runner. He does like to get a lot of yards after contact. He was a 4.9 yards per carry attempt average guy for the Broncos as a, as a rookie. And again, broke a lot of tackles in doing so. That's why this is, this is a bold prediction because Outside of Jamal Charles, I believe is with 2012, he came back with 1,700 total yards from scrimmage. And then um, Adrian Peterson, I know 2012, uh, came back, ran for 2,000 yards and won the NFL MVP. Those are the outliers in terms of 
fantasy relevant in like the top end echelon running backs in the NFL in terms of being productive in their first season coming off of a torn ACL injury. So I think Javante Williams has the goods. I think he has the physicality. I think he has the mindset and he's also showing out in practice as of so far showing out in um, seven on seven and drills and stuff like that. So that's, that's why I think Javante Williams is that that's my big bold prediction for uh, 14 games, thousand yards. Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. So Obviously, you know, the article that you're talking about, I was reading it before we went live, and it was really focusing on just ACL injuries. And unfortunately, the damage that Javante Williams suffered was a little bit more. Um, and the one that's most compared, like comparable to him in recent time is J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. um, who tore his ACL prior to the 2021 season. And they thought he was going to be ready by the start of last season. And he he really wasn't. Um ready to go i mean he didn't play the first two weeks and he played a little bit um weeks three four five six for the ravens last year but all in all he picked up 520 yards rushing when after the you know the when he after he played weeks three through six he didn't play again until week 14 where he played um 14 through 17 the final four weeks of that which is where he picked up almost 100 yards per game during that time um so 520 yards and when i was looking at that and He's in my offensive player bold predictions. Javante Williams is in there, and it isn't too far off from what Lance has here. I don't have him breaking a thousand yards, but I do have him being a pretty good, having a really good season for somebody coming off the injury that he did. But what I went with was I took J.K. Dobbins' average per game yards and extrapolated that for Javante Williams playing a few more games. So I have Javante Williams breaking seven hundred yards in under in 13 or fewer games just basically averaging the same amount of yards per game jk dobbins is so lance going back to you i mean obviously you've made it clear about why javon why it's a bold prediction for you why do you think that this is actually an achievable bold prediction for javante williams just his play style i think that and this also goes back to this article it it they've really kind of referenced year two specifically in this, but age does seem to matter. This is a quote directly from the piece uh, quote, younger backs in this sample, younger than 26 were more likely than veteran backs to have a bounce back season in year two after ACL surgery. At least when you look at efficiency metrics and fantasy points per game, unfortunately late career ACL injuries have the potential to be career threatening in the cases of Darren Sproles, Lamar Miller and stuff like that. Um, where it comes to the interesting part of the the first year is that the efficiency metrics for most players in their first year in terms of yards per carry, yards uh, yards after contact per attempt, um, and, and also in elusiveness, they're less efficient, and they also put up fewer fantasy points per game in their first season back, but they don't always see a, a small decline. It's a relatively large decline in efficiency. So the big reason why this is a bold prediction for me is his play style, that ability to shed yards after contact. The, what we saw with him as a rookie where he was able to run down the field, carry defenders on his back. You don't need to have that in in terms of his first year back. That's where you're going to see the biggest second year gain. For him, just being physical and falling forward, I think that you're going to see him break a lot of tackles still and be able to, to make some longer runs where he's still going to have the efficiency. He's still going to be able to break some tackles. It may not be as good as you want it to be, but he still has the ability with the play style that he has to still be able to get a 1,000 yards this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I definitely see that. And then uh, before I move on, last question here on this is how, 
where do you think Samaj Pirine falls into this? Do you think that the Broncos push two running backs over the thousand mark or two of them get close to it? How, how do you think that Samaj Pirine and his impact on this bull prediction with Javante Williams? So a, a big thing with Samaj Pirine is the fact that he's only seen over 100 total touches in his career two times. One of those was his rookie season. And I believe the other one was this, this past season. He's never had 100 total carries in a career. So how are you leaning on a guy to be a bell cow back that's never actually been that guy? If Javante Williams is healthy, he's going to see the majority of the carries. He's going to be the guy on first and second down. And then you're going to get Pirine in, a guy that is very good as a pass protector, very good out of the back backfield as a receiver so that to me is the role you're going to see and again this caveat goes to the fact that Javante Williams has to play 14 games if he doesn't if it's the, the majority of the time where Samaj P. Ryan has to be the bell cow player you're going to see a, a more of an even split probably close to 700 700 especially down the stretch where you get uh, Javante Williams more healthy. If he plays seven to eight games, I could see him getting 600, 650, maybe even 700 yards total on this season. If he plays 14, though, you're going to see one of those big breakout games from him where he's going to get 25 carries or something like that. He's going to be the bell cow of this offense. Samaj P. Ryan, to me, I have to see it before I can actually believe it to understand that he's going to be a guy that's going to get close to a thousand yards on a season. I just don't believe that right now. See, my one of my bold predictions in it again is that Samaj P. Ryan at least doubles his career high in rushing yards this season. Mm -hmm. From basically from everything that I've gathered, it's basically a one A, one B situation. And even when okay. Javante Williams is back and healthy, he's one B. Samaj P. Ryan is meant to be the guy this year because they don't want to fully rush Javante Williams back. But Keith Brugman comes in, good friend of the podcast, showing up every pretty uh, up, every week. Says my bold prediction: playing opposite Patrick Sertan the second, Mathis will lead the Broncos in interceptions and will gain notoriety in the national spotlight. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I actually have a bold prediction for PS2 on this one that's going to take away from what Keith has to say here, but I like where you're going with this because specifically what the Broncos are going to do defensively this season under Vance Joseph, they're going to play a lot more press man coverage, uh, man coverage specifically, but a lot of press man coverage. That's what. Damari Mathis did in his time as, as a Pittsburgh Panther back when he was in college. He was a very good press man coverage cornerback. He's fluid in his lower half. He's very good in his hips transitions. He's got really good ball skills. He got his hands on a lot of footballs. I believe he had 10 total interceptions as a as a college uh, collegiate player so I understand where you're coming from with this one. I just think that with what Pat Sertan does in, in his ability, he's going to be the guy this season. I really do think Pat Sertan and I'll just split it now. PS2, defensive player of the year this year, he's probably going to get close to 10 interceptions. So uh, if Damari Mathis can get four or five this season, I think he's very capable of doing so. This scheme fits perfectly what he is as a player, and it's going to accentuate his skill set. So I, I like where your head's at, Keith. I disagree just a little bit, but I think that you're on the right track there. Yeah, and the Patrick Sertan went in defensive player of the rookie of the year. We'll talk about that more in a little bit, as that is one of your bold predictions. But I get where Keith is coming from. Patrick Sertan is supposed to be the guy. He's supposed to be the one that quarterbacks fear. Typically leads to quarterbacks going away from them, targeting the number two guy a little bit more, which is Damari Mathis, which hopefully does lead to more interceptions if that does play out. Jason O'Neill comes in saying, bold prediction, we have one-third the injured players that we had last year. It was ridiculous last year. Um, here's the thing with injuries is like the Broncos changing their training staff. That's great. But typically, you don't see the dividends pay off until about a year after the change is made because the bodies of these players, it still takes time for them to adjust to the new regiment that they're doing for training. And especially with so many soft tissue injuries being the issue last year, like one third, like it would be great to see. Don't get me wrong. Um, but also the issue is they have a lot of injury prone players. And I hate that term, but they're, it's just a bunch of guys who struggle to stay out there on the field. Mm -hmm. Um Hopefully it's not big impact players that they're losing a lot of, yeah. but I don't think they suffer as many injuries, but I do think that they will suffer. They will have to deal with their, uh, with, a, with a lot of injuries this season as you know, their bodies are still adjusting to the training regime. And as the Broncos front office and Sean Payton start cutting away some of that dead weight for lack of a better way to put it with these players who are a little bit injury prone. And then Seth comes in, bold prediction. Randrew Gregory plays 75% of the games this year. LMAO. Um, that is definitely bold. Lance, what are your thoughts on Gregory playing 75% of the games? Well, if he plays 75% of the games this season, I think that the Broncos are going to be uh, 
north of 45 sacks. Like Randy Gregory, when he's on the field, is one of the more elite pass rushers. He, he has a high pressure rate. He does a really good job bending the corner. He's very twitchy, very explosive, and he's just a, a game record. The first four games of the season last year before he went down with yet another injury, he had, I believe, two and a half sacks, had like 10 pressures or something like that. And if I, I don't, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so just bear with me a little bit. But like he's he's an elite player. If he plays 75 percent of the games, not only is he going to be a, an elite sack artist, he's also going to help uh, a lot of the other players on this defensive line. Specifically, I think Zach Allen is going to really benefit. If Randy Gregory plays 14 to 15 games this year, I think Zach Allen could potentially be a double digit sack guy playing on the same side as him. I have another bold prediction on the defensive line. We'll get to that here in just a second. But if Randy Gregory plays 75% of the games this year, so what, 14 to 15 games, the Broncos are going to be in really good shape defensively. Phil McLaughlin comes in. Good evening, Eric, Lance, and Deacon Scott. My bull prediction. Russ gets more passing yards and touchdowns than last year. LOL, hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life. Um, I'll actually spoil this a little bit in my offensive player predictions. I do have one about Russell Wilson. I think he breaks seventy percent completion percentage for the first time in his career. You know what? That's that's mighty bold. I, I I and I actually like that. A big reason why is because you got Sean Payton in, in the fold, and he's going to be very structured in what his offensive scheme is supposed to be. It's it's not quite super timing based, where it's like three step drop hit the slant. There's going to be some some deep digs, some slants, and stuff like that, deep crossing routes. But it's going to be hit the top of your drop and get the football out on time. And if you do that in a Sean Payton offense where he schemes matchups open and says, this is where the football is going to go, just throw it and hit it, you're going to see a lot of success. Um, I also think that this in this particular situation, if you have Russell Wilson more passing yards and touchdowns than last year, um, 70% completion percentage, this also – hits one of the last points that I have in the, the most recent article I have on milehighhuddle.com um, with in terms of George Payton's safety in the general manager position at the, for the Denver Broncos. He needs Russell Wilson to have a big season this year. They need to play off birth for, for like first and foremost, they need to go to the playoffs. But if Russell Wilson has that bounce back season and shows the the franchise quarterback that he's capable of being, it might ease a little bit of the pressure off of George Payton a little bit because you, you give up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, another first- and second-round pick in players in Noah Fant and Drew Locke, respectively. If you get all that up and you turn in a lemon in Russell Wilson like it was last season, if he comes back and shows the quarterback that he's capable of actually playing as this season, you actually might have a, a case to make that George Payton went out and acquired a franchise quarterback, and now this team is looking in the right direction. So, uh, Phil, I mean, obviously – it is a decently bold prediction after what we saw from him, but I think expectation is more touchdowns, more yards from Russell Wilson this season. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Javante Williams conversation real quick, Harold Jean comes in, not really a fan of what you had to say, saying Samaj Perrine will not get some carries. He will get 70% of them. Javante mm-hmm. will not be running like he was prior to the injury in his first season back. And then Keith Brugman comes in saying, Wilson McGay, he suffered the same exact injury in 2003. Fiesta Bolt, national championship. He rushed mm-hmm. for over 1,100 yards after one season off. Yeah, but that was 19 months later that he had his rookie season. Mm -hmm. January 2023 to September 2024, that is a lot extra time. Yes, it was a um, very severe injury. uh, The ACL, the MCL, the PCL, um, there's a lot of damage done. Very similar to that, to what Javante Williams did. But it's not less than 12 months later that they're trying to get Willis McGahee Mm -hmm. back. It was, or like they were trying to get Javante Williams back. It was 19 months that extra recovery time is a factor as typically with extensive injuries like this. It's not year one, it's year two when you see it. And 2024, that season would have been year two, technically, after yep. coming back from that injury. Yeah. Now, and, going on, now moving I, I, on to the. Okay, go ahead. I, I was going to throw out another point really fast. The, the article that I was referencing with the, the fantasyfootballers.com did actually go into a lot of the second-year statistics, and the one that they really highlighted was Saquon Barkley. His first season back, I believe he only had 700 total yards uh, from scrimmage his first season back. Then this last season, he was over 1,300 yards, got the franchise tag, is now pissed off. I want to come back to that conversation here in a little bit, though. Um, Saquon Barkley, obviously, with the like the threat of holding out, but year two coming off of a torn ACL was one of the best running backs in the NFL. So if Javante Williams doesn't have that thousand yard season, like he does, like I think he's going to have this year, year two 
watch out because with the year two back after the ACL, especially in young running backs under the age of 26, they typically have a major, major bounce back and are among the lead leaders in, in the NFL. Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Jamal Charles had a season like that. Um, so, again, just keep your eyes on Javante a little bit. Now, moving on to the next bull prediction kind of ties in with what Harold Jean has to say here. My bull prediction is that Greg Dulcich will have the second highest receiving yards of the season. Well, Lance and I, we are basically sharing our brain on this. We were talking mm-hmm. about this beforehand. We also have a bull prediction about Greg Dulcich and that this year he has double-digit touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about it before. Our, a lot of our reasons are the same thing, Lance. So go ahead and you can jump into the reasons behind why we, we have that bull prediction. So a big a big thing with Greg Dulcich, obviously, um, last season it missed a lot of time with the hamstring injury, but he still had over 400 yards receiving, uh, 33 catches, a couple of touchdowns in there as well. Um, it showed that explosive playmaking versatility, the, the ability to just be a joker, essentially. It, and that's exactly what Sean Payton was talking about, that joker role, a running back or a tight end that has elite matchup ability. And the and the New Orleans Saints under Sean Payton had a guy like that in Jimmy Graham. And if you go back through the seasons of Jimmy Graham, he was with the New Orleans Saints from 2010 to 2014. If you look at his touchdown receptions, this was my big prediction for my big bold prediction for the uh for the Broncos in 2023 is Greg Dulcich leads the team in touchdown receptions. You put him in the Jimmy Graham role. Jimmy Graham in 2010 was tied for third on the team with five and 2011 was first with 11. 2012 was second with nine, 2013 and 14. He was first on the team both years with 16 and 10 respectively. It's very easy to make this prediction based on what Sean Payton has already said about Greg Dulcich and the usage of a tight end position of, of an elite athletic tight end, especially in the red area where Sean Payton is a matchup dictator. He likes to put his players in the best matchups possible. Greg Dulcich has that ability. He's going to get 10 touchdowns this year. Yeah. And we already have a clear pecking order at tight end. The coaching staff has made it clear. It was made clear during mini camp and OTAs and everything. Dulcich is the top guy. Manhurts is the blocking tight end and Trotman is the number three guy. Um, Keith probably comes in saying, call me crazy, but I see Dulcich and Trotman having similar sets come the end of the year. I'll call you crazy, Keith. Like, no way. I, I think that um, Dulcich not only sees, like, let's see here, what's what's a decent number? I think Dulcich will see oh, well over 50 targets, probably well over 50 catches, whereas Trotman, I don't think, gets more than 20 on either of them. Um, he is very clearly the number three guy in the tight end room. He's there in barring injuries, of course. If Greg Dulcich gets hurt, obviously that's going to mix things up. Um Trotman is very clearly the number three guy. He's there for emergencies. He's there for special teams, which he does quite well. Um, he, he's there as the depth guy in the unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Dulcich, I mean, once you start hearing him get called the joker of the offense, the mismatch maker, the guy that's going to be such a heavily part in your game plan week in, week out, they have a huge role in store for him with the athletic ability that he can bring as a mismatch weapon because you can't cover him with the safety. You can't really cover him with a linebacker. So it's just such a weapon that Sean Payton time and time again has shown he knows how to utilize. Yeah. And, Uh, and, and to, to kind of piggyback off of that, go back to what 2013, I believe it was the Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning, um, the, the Julius Thomas season, 2013, 2014, where Julius Thomas was tearing the league apart. And then on the backside of that was Virgil Green. And just in 2014 alone, uh, Julius Thomas caught more passes and touchdowns and had more yards in just 2014 alone than Virgil Green had in his entire career as a Denver Bronco. And I believe it is his entire career as an NFL player. That's the kind of roles you're going to be looking at here. Not to say they're going to be exactly the same, but Dulcich is going to be the primary receiving threat on this team. And Troutman's going to be that inline blocker. He might go out and catch a five-yard out route. He might have you know a, a little sit route over the middle of the field. It's not going to be Troutman and Dulcich as the one and two guys. It's going to be Dulcich for sure is the number one. Troutman's going to be the third guy back behind behind the scenes. Um, Keith asking, why did Troutman state he picked the Broncos? Um, I haven't seen that comment. I don't know anything on that, but the Broncos picked him. They traded for him. Um, I don't know how much of a voice he had in being able to be traded there or anything like that, but they picked him because they they picked him because obviously he's familiar with Sean Payton. 
And that's probably part of the reason if he had a voice in it, probably part of the reason he did, but it wasn't because of role. Like his role is very clearly defined. Um, and uh, Scott coming and says, I think I can be more than a blocking tight end. Like they were using me in new Orleans. Um, sure. They possibly can. I don't see it. Like, again, it just goes back to what they're saying about Greg Dulcich. Too much, too much smoke there to not have some fire. Um, Adam Trotman, he'll be part of the rotation, but he's not going to be the guy at tight end, not like Dulcich. Um, so it's just going to be like Trotman's the number two receiving threat, I guess, would be the better way to put it. Um, so maybe 20 is a bit rough on saying that he won't break 20 targets or anything. Um, but there's going to be a clear Dulcich is up here and Adam Trotman's below him. Yeah. Um, no, real quick, we have another bold prediction. Russell Wilson makes the Pro Bowl. That would that's definitely bold. Um, there's definitely some a lot of biases when it comes to, you know, who gets to the Pro Bowl. One of the reasons why I absolutely hate the Pro Bowl anymore. One of the many reasons for it. But Lance, I know you don't have a Russell Wilson bold prediction, but let's hear one of yours. What's a Russell Wilson bold prediction from you? Quite honestly, I think he has that bounce back season. He gets close to his 2020 MVP form in in this offense, because when you look at what Russell Wilson was able to do with the Seattle Seahawks with a strong running game, a strong offensive line and good weapons around him in 2020, he was an MVP candidate. He he didn't even get a a vote because Lamar Jackson absolutely went off. I believe he had a thousand yards rushing that season and over 3000, like 3,500 yards passing won the unanimous MVP if the first time that's ever happened in NFL history. Russell Wilson has the ability to, in a system that where you don't need to have him let Russ cook, like that that whole narrative of him throwing the football over the yard, we know that that's not a good idea. But if you put him in a system where you have a heavy running game, lean on the play action, use his own mobility and his ability to throw the football down the field, I think that he can have a very big bounce back season. And if you go back and look at what Sean Payton did early with his New Orleans days with Drew Brees, they did a lot of that. They ran the football heavy. They used Drew Brees, motioning him out of the backfield, throwing a bunch of bootlegs and stuff like that, a lot of crossing routes. Russell Wilson is plenty capable of playing in that offense as it is right now, even at 34 years old, 35 years old. He has the mobility. He has the accuracy down the field. You have a good running game, or at least on paper you do. I think that he is going to have that bounce back season. I don't know that it's going to result in a Pro Bowl berth, but and if it does, it's going to be like Trevor Simeon was a Pro Bowl alternate and was actually a Pro Bowler for the Broncos in 2016. I think Russell Wilson can get back to that form, though, and actually be a, a top – 15, maybe top 12, close to top 10 quarterback in the NFL this season. So my only pushback on that is with what you said a little bit about the Saints, they still passed the ball almost 600 times that first season, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. running to under 500. Mm -hmm. We're not going to see that kind of pass to run ratio with the Broncos this year. Right. They're going to be a run heavy team. I don't think it's going to be the complete flip of the uh, flip the other way around. But I think we're going to see closer to about a, you know, about 55 to 60% run offense to, you know, the rest Mm -hmm. of it being passed instead of the other way, like it was the Saints. That's my only pushback on Russell Wilson getting back to that kind of, you know, statistical um, point that he had because that year he passed 558 times. Mm -hmm. That is four more times than Drew Brees threw in 20 in 2006. Just not seeing that, I think we're going to see closer probably to like, 2013 2014 between 400 and 500 passing attempts um that's what i'm expecting from muscle wilson this year which can be enough to get him back Mm -hmm. into the pro bowl it just depends on the efficiency stats if he does that and he's completing 70 percent of his passes like my bold prediction then yeah it's entirely possible that they can that he can get back and push for a pro bowl spot Mm -hmm. um but again it's just got to come over he's got to make up for some of the negative stuff that's out there because of the biases that go into, you know, mm-hmm. the Pro Bowl selection process anymore um, with so much van, fan voting and fans just voting for their favorite players on their teams. Like just so many issues there that mm-hmm. I can get back to it. Um, now, final bull prediction on the offensive side of the ball. And this is one that kind of goes back to it with what you were saying about Russell Wilson hitting that 2020 season. Your bull prediction is 2000 yard receivers. Yeah, I, so I think that the Broncos have the potential possibility of having two 1,000-yard receivers this season. Jerry Judy being one, um, he's going to fill that Brandon Cooks role. But then the other guy that I have is not Cortland Sutton. I think it's going to be Tim Patrick. Even with the bounce back here coming off the ACL, he profiles so perfectly in the Michael Thomas role, the big slot, big slant 
possession type receiver guy, very reliable catching the catching the football using his hands, using his big body to box out receivers and stuff like that. It may take, you know, 90 to 100 catches for him to get there because you're going to see a lot of slants. You're not going to see him moving down the field vertically. I think that that's where Cortland Sutton is going to thrive. You're going to see the shot plays with Cortland Sutton. You're going to see Jerry Judy on the crossing route. And then you're going to see Tim Patrick working in the slot, working on the backside as a Z receiver, similar to that Michael Thomas role. You're going to see a lot of volume going to Tim Patrick. If he doesn't get over a thousand yards, it's going to be very close to it, probably over 900. The, the problem here is looking back statistically, at what the Saints did in the Sean Payton offense. I went all the way back to 2009 here, guys, and just took a look at the leading receivers on their teams. There was only three total seasons since 2009 that the New Orleans Saints had multiple 1,000-yard receivers. Those were 2011 with Jimmy Graham and Marcus Colson, 2012 with Marcus Colson and Lance Moore, and 2016 with Brandon Cooks and Mike Thomas. And that specifically is what I'm looking at. With Jerry Judy in the Brandon Cooks role, with Tim Patrick in the Mike Thomas role, they're going to have a possibility to get there. One caveat, though, in those three seasons where the the Saints had multiple 1,000-yard receivers – The Saints threw the ball over 670 times in two of those and 662 times in the third. So this one, like Eric said, you're probably not going to throw the ball 670 times. It's going to be hard to get there. But as a bold prediction comes, this is a bold prediction. And I think the Broncos have the possibility to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, as you were saying, as a lot of it depends on that run pass split that we, that we were just talking about a little bit and, I mean, one of, a couple of my bold predictions for the players isn't that far off. I have them not quite breaking 2,000 between two receivers, but pushing it with one breaking over 1,000 and one just getting over 900 yards. Um, so it's definitely possible. And there's a lot, there's some of the comments in the chat. Keith Brugman's coming in. Screen passes, shovel passes, short tight end routes. Russ can push for some gaudy passing numbers without pushing it down the field. That's one reason why I have a 70% completion percentage. Sean Payton loves to mix in easy completions. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, simple toss and catch routes that don't put a lot on Russell Wilson with having to read a defense, something that he's consistently struggled with. Um, Going back to even his rookie year, like he's always always had issues with it. So just making things a little bit easier for him, helping him get into a rhythm and helping, you know, get the safeties to cheat their deep coverage a little bit to help open up some of those deep shots that mm-hmm. maybe Russell Wilson can get back to form hitting last year was a little bit rough. Um, so it's definitely possible that we can get that uh, or hit that mark, but health matters talking about what Javante Williams, it matters for Tim Patrick too. He is one of those guys. When mm-hmm. I talk about, in, when I mentioned injury prone players before Tim Patrick's one of them going back to college. And I do believe this is his third torn ACL um, or at least third ligament tear in his legs since going back to college. Like he's just constantly mm-hmm. been beat up. And a lot of this is like a lot of high expectations for the guy who's coming off yet another injury and is up there in age for a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. And I, I believe this is the second torn ACL on, on this particular knee. Cause I think he does have a third on the other one. So yes, it, uh, he does have three torn ACLs and it's, it, it's hard to project a guy coming off of a torn ACL. But the thing is Tim Patrick tore his ACL, I believe on day five of training camp last season, we're a full year removed from that. He has an entire off season, an entire season and an entire off season to actually get healthy and come back. Again, it's not the first time that this has happened. He's done it before. He's done it three times, and he has also come back stronger every single time that he has done it. So to me, that's why I think it. I think that Patrick's going to be the, the guy that they really want to focus on, specifically in the possession style uh, routes and stuff like that, the slants, the digs, the, the, quick, the, the quick shallow crossing routes, possession routes. Get the ball out of, out of your hands, put it into the playmaker's hands as quickly as you can. He's the most reliable a target catcher on this on this roster without question. Dude just does not drop the football. Cortland Sutton over the last couple of seasons is the guy that I'm really having my eyes on here because he has struggled with drops. He hasn't been the same player since 2020 when he tore his ACL. He hasn't shown the big contested catch ability. And he's also on a massive contract. To me, I don't think that Cortland Sutton's around past week eight. I think they're going to trade him. And Tim Patrick's going to be the beneficiary of those targets, that that target volume from him. And they're going to focus on Jerry Judy, Greg Dulcich, and, and Tim Patrick in the passing game, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, one of my things is 
uh, one of my predictions talking about Cortland Sutton specifically is that I don't think I don't have him breaking, I think, 600 yards with the Broncos. And it was a two part pulled prediction with the other part being because he gets traded before the trade mm-hmm. deadline, mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, to hit 599 yards, it's an average of like 74 yards or whatever. I can't remember the exact math, but it's a decent average per that. Of course, the one that I have benefiting the most from him being moved on is actually Marvin Mims. But you guys, when the article comes out, make sure you guys check it out. And I, everything goes into gets explained there. Um, but you mentioned Tim Patrick and how he always comes back better, stronger, you know, from the injuries and everything. At some point, the wear and tear gets you, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the risk. Is that this year? Is that is this year the year that finally all the damage that has been done to his knees is this the year that it finally catches up to him? I hope not, because from how it sounds, it sounds like they really want him to be the number two guy. Um, they want Jerry Judy to step up and be the top guy with Tim Patrick right behind him, pushing Clorton Sutton down. They want to try to boost his value a little bit to where they can sit there and turn around and move him and flip him for some extra picks. So we'll see what's happening um, with the offense, with Sean Payton, with how he works with matchups, um, with having such a, you know, going back to this, his joker as a tight end who can move around and work in the slot or work out wide, depending on matchups and down distance, you know, the situ- game situations, Sean Payton can have a lot of fun with, with some of the weapons are there and there's going to be people left out. Um, yep. There's going to be multiple weapons left out. You can't have all these guys out there on the field. And that's one of the reasons why I don't see such a big role for Adam Trotman either mm-hmm. is like man hurts is your blocking tight end. You're going to be in a lot of two tight end sets because you still want to be able to sell the run. You're not going to be pulling man hurts consistently for Adam Trotman Mm -hmm. in obvious passing situations, maybe. um, But 2000 yard receivers, it's possible. A lot of it depends on, you know, on the health of Tim Patrick coming back. Now, one team bold prediction that we both had, and we talked about this a lot that you thought of it and you're like, you're kind of bummed because I already had it in my article that the Broncos allow less than 35 sacks this season. What's your what's your reasoning for you having that bull prediction? And I'll get into why I have it. So a, a big thing, and like Eric said, I was really disappointed when I found out because I hadn't read his article yet. And I was thinking all day, you know, there was a couple that I wanted to get to. Broncos rushing over 2,500 yards. But the big one was, I believe in this offensive line. They're going to give up less than two sacks per game, which means they're going to let, give up less than 35 sacks on the season. Um, for me, you've you've made upgrades along the offensive line. You're getting Garrett Bowles back healthy at left tackle. And regardless of what everybody wants to talk trash about Garrett Bowles, and Eric and I have been pounding the table for Bowles for a long time here, he's a top seven tackle in the NFL at the left tackle position. It's pretty not debatable at this point. When he is healthy, he plays at a very high level in pass protection. You've got Ben Powers, whose quality in pass protection is a guard. Quinn Miners, who's decent as a pass protector at, at, at right guard. And Mike McGlinchey, who's solid as a right tackle. Probably the best right tackle the Broncos have had since Orlando Franklin. They're also going to run the football a lot. We've mentioned it multiple times for multiple weeks now. Sean Payton has said it himself. They're going to run the football. Plain and simple. They're going to take the football out of Russell Wilson's hands. And when they do put it in Russell Wilson's hands, going back throughout the Sean Payton offensive history – Again, it's not superiorly timing based, a lot like what the the Patriots like to do, where three-step drop, quick slant, stuff like that. But Sean Payton wants the football out of the quarterback's hands. You hit the top of your drop, you throw where the ball is supposed to go, read the defense, one, two, three, throw the football, you're done. Get the ball out of your hands. Those three combining factors, the fact that you've upgraded the offensive line, the fact that you're going to run the football a lot, and the fact that you have Sean Payton calling the plays and pulling the strings behind the scenes and making sure that he's coaching up Russell Wilson on what exactly to do with the football is going to lead to less sacks for this Broncos offense. And that's why I think 35 sacks, Broncos are going to be under that number. Yeah, I mean, you touch on it. Russell Wilson's only been sacked less than 35 times twice in his career. His rookie season and a season where he missed three games, where he was at 33 bowl seasons. So it's not something that happens a lot for him. And part of the issue is that he does hold the ball a little bit long, and he mm-hmm. does have a bad habit of running into sacks with, with, with some, for lack of a better way to put it, some panicky footwork in in, in the pocket when things start to collapse a little bit. Yes. Um, but allowing fewer than 35 sacks is actually pretty common in the NFL. If you guys can sit there and read the article that's up online, here on the screen right now, or you can go to milehighhuddle.com um, and go look at it. It's the 
the name of it is um, five not so uh, bold or not so obvious bold predictions for the Broncos offense. Um, the big one of the things for me with this whole aspect of this bold prediction is, as you touched on, they're not going to be passing the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. I do not expect more than. I don't expect more than 500 passes, and I'd probably even say I don't really expect more than 475. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they have made improvements, obviously, you know, talking about health again. Garrett Bowles, that's a big one for me. Um, I have a bold prediction on him that's in my five player or er, my players' bold prediction article that should be publishing here soon. Um, although his deals with more penalty related, but that's beside the point. But they have improved their offensive line. The scheme is, I think, going to be asking for a little bit quicker, you know, snap to throw from mm-hmm. Russell Wilson to cut back on the amount of time holding the ball. Obviously, it's quite bold because of the issues we saw. I mean, the Broncos offensive line just allowed 63 sacks last season, yep. 55 of them on Russell Wilson. It is a huge, you know, step up for them to basically cut out 30 sacks. That is a huge ask of them, even with the, you know, the uh, improvements they made on the offensive line. So it's it's tough to be. It's tough to see it. It's something that's common, but when you look at the teams where it's common at, it's like Tom Brady, or teams with outstanding offensive lines, quarterbacks with a very quick release time. Um, so there's a lot going against this goal prediction or this bold prediction for the Broncos. Now switching over to the defensive side of the ball. Well, before that, real quick, Keith Brubman, are you surprised that Melvin Gordon signed a $3.1 million contract with the Ravens today? No, they have a, there's a lot of questions about their running back room. They were wanting to add somebody, the amount. Sure. Like it's a little rough, but it's not guaranteed. Like they can easily move on from that deal. There's no guarantee. He makes the roster. In fact, people that I know close to the Ravens don't expect him to make the roster. They're just kind of expecting him to be there to try to push, um, some of the other running backs they have on the roster, as well as provide some insurance for J.K. Dobbins, but more so for was it Justice Hill? That was the one Oklahoma State running back that they have on yep. the roster. Mm-hmm. The more more so insurance for those two guys being able to step up and helping push them and maybe keep them on around on around on the practice squad than the actual roster. So yeah. surprised at the amount a little bit. Not surprised that he's he's finally signed somewhere else though. I, I just I, I guess who cares like I, I Melvin Gordon is not a Denver Bronco anymore and he really kind of burned a lot of bridges with Broncos fans and me in particular by bad mouthing the team over and over again and really just going but like how many times is this dude gonna to go on a podcast and talk trash about his situation in Denver and how he didn't necessarily want to be here and then go out there on the field and fumble the football five times in 587 carries. Like, th- 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 I-, I don't care. Melvin Gordon, yeah. good, good luck for you. Like, you're, you're whining about signing a contract to play NFL football for $2.5 million. And I'm, I am going to put the, the fan aspect into this on this one. You're, you're playing a game and – not playing it well and getting paid millions of dollars to do so, maybe be happy of the fact that you're in the NFL and stop complaining about your mishaps. Yeah. And last thing on Melvin Gordon here is since we're talking about bull predictions, one of my bull predictions is the Broncos have fewer than 20 turnovers. If they didn't have Melvin Gordon last year, mm-hmm. if you take lose his fumbles, they're under 20, 20 turnovers. Yep. Five times he put the ball on the ground last year. Five of their 20, um, yeah, uh huh, of 23, 24, yep, 24 turnovers they had. I think it's 24. So, yeah, I mean, he's not playing the ball well. It's time to be, it's whatever. He can go do what he would go do whatever in Baltimore. And, you know, like, I don't ever wish like bad play from players, but like the dude's done a lot of talking and just has never backed it up. Mm -hmm. So, moving on to the defensive side of the ball. For your bold predictions here. Um, obviously, Patrick Satan winning defensive player of the year. We kind of touched on that a little bit about how you have such a big uh, belief in his role in this press man. I'm a little lenient or hesitant to, you know, agree with you on this one because shutdown corners don't get targeted a lot, and you mm-hmm. hope he kind of becomes that shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. And then, as there's when we're talking before the show, you have one stat on this that also kind of is like, 
all right, maybe not so much. And it deals with the number of interceptions, the highest number of interceptions from a defensive back from a Vance Joseph scheme. So Lance, go ahead. So the big thing here is press man coverage is not conducive to high turnover, uh, high interception numbers. It's just plain and simple not. You're playing in close quarters. You're you're not getting your eyes on the football. You really have to kind of focus on the man that you're playing, obviously, man-to-man coverage. We're playing chest-to-chest, hip-to-hip, stuff like that. However, I think that with Pat Sertan and his ability to diagnose what's going on in front of him, his his film study, and just the overall ability that he has. He's super long. He's super physical. He can disrupt the timing and still be able to turn his hips and run. He's got a, a, like elite explosive ability with his first step after his hips are opened up and turned to run. So I think he can turn and run with pretty much anybody in the NFL and then get his eyes towards the football. And he has the ball skills to be able to take the football away. I mean, even in his in his rookie season, he had four interceptions. One of them, he took 70 yards to the house. If you put him in a system where he's primarily going to be playing in man coverage, you're going to see if they do target him. This is a big thing. He's going to have to get targeted to do this. But if he's targeted and they throw the ball at him, he has the ability to knock the football away or get his hands on the football and take it back to the house or even just take it away from the offense in general. This Gary Palmer. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Gary Palmer comes in with the $9.99 donation. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate that so much. Thanks, we appreciate Gary. your constant support week in, week out. He says, thanks, Eric, Lance, and Scott for a great pod. Go Broncos. Buck them. And definitely. And again, thank you so much, Gary. We appreciate that. And one thing he said, just to make clear here, is about how press man schemes don't really boost interception numbers, mm-hmm. which a lot of people may not may not grasp why. Uh, I mean, you're playing the receiver; you're right there on the ball. It's not you're not having to go and close and everything. But that's the difference: is you're there, you're playing the receiver. The receiver's right there. The receiver can knock it off or knock the ball out of your hands just as much as you can theirs. Yep. Typically, obviously, there are some exceptions. Press man systems typically see a higher PBU numbers, pass breakups, and lower interceptions, whereas zone coverage sees a few sees a higher interception count and fewer PBUs, pass breakups. Mm-hmm. Um, just something to keep in mind here with that. Now, going on to your another bold prediction that you have here, getting to the pass rushes. And this is the one that's that I even I think is a little bit spicy, and it's it, it involves Baron Browning, who for me is the number three guy, but with all the injury concerns. It's entirely possible or possible that he hits the mark that you have for your bold prediction. Yeah, I think that Baron Brown is going to lead this team in sacks this season. And a big reason why is first things first, this dude's poised to be a breakout player. He's got an incredible athletic profile. Um, he's he's got the the talent and the upside to to actually hit this, but you're gonna see a lot of different opportunities with him. He's going to see a, a lot of uh, one-on-one opportunities on the outside, because I think you're going to see him lined up next to Zach Allen, who's going to be playing a the inside shade of the offensive tackle at the four-eye position, where he's going to be crashing towards the inside in the B-gap, opening up the outside for Baron Browning to get around. You also have to factor in the fact that uh, Randy Gregory is injury-prone. We, we already talked about him a little bit, where, you know, if he does see 75% of the snaps or 75% of the games this season, he's going to take away from this number. I'm not going to predict that. Randy Gregory has barely played 12 games one time in his entire career. He's never played a full 16-game slate. Baron Browning has his own injury concerns, but I'm going to ride with the youth here. I'm going to ride with the athleticism. I'm going to ride with the upside here. And also, Frank Clark is just a dude. Like Baron Browning is going to have an opportunity to see a high volume of opportunities in one-on-one situations on the outside just based on the scheme itself. So Baron Browning going to get 12, 13 sacks this season. I that, That's my big, bold prediction for this defensive line. Yeah, David McElrath comes in. Good evening, Broncos country. Okay. Lance, Eric, Dylan, and Deacon Scott. Hashtag seven days. Hashtag 12 to five. Hashtag Buckham times three. Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Thank you, David, for joining us. We appreciate that, and we appreciate your constant support, not just for our show, but every show, every night of the week. Multiple mornings. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate everybody who supports us, even if you can't do so financially. Just liking, subscribing, sharing—you know, word of mouth, huge thing. Found out this week that my my wife's boss is a huge fan of the show, or not the show, but the site. Um, which was which was a kind of cool to you know sit there and have that. Um, you know, somebody, multiple people in Alaska, such a big thing here. Anyways, 
one. Speaking of, just quickly, I so uh, not last weekend, the weekend before I was out and about, there was a um, a big party at the park, it's kind of a little vendor thing, ran into a guy named Derek, lives here where I live. He's like, wait, I know you, you're Lance Sanderson, you do the podcast. Yes, I do. Thank you, Derek, for joining uh, for joining us every single week. Thank you for listening to us and and, uh, and coming up to say hi. It was it was a pleasure to meet you. You were super nice, and it was it was uh, a good time to just shoot it up for just a minute. So again, it, it's fun to to see everybody you know um, everybody that follows us and um, you know uh, to come recognize and just come and, and, and have some fun. I can't wait to do it at the meet and greet again it's, this year. It's definitely humbling when you're just out and about in yeah. small town where, where we live and somebody coming up and saying, oh, I know you and yep. having to be from here. Definitely a little bit humbling. Yep. Now, going back to Baron Browning, um, he is also in my bold predictions for the defense. I still got to type that article and get that up. But I don't have him leading the team in sacks, but I do have him, have him having a pretty big year. Not quite double-digit sacks. I have him picking up eight sacks with over 40 pressures. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that he's has to get he has to work on a little bit is finishing. Um, that was a big issue last year, obviously. Um, with him, he he got multiple pressures, but there were just issues finishing it. And Randy Gregory, somebody asked us what our bold prediction for how many games does he plays. I don't think he plays more than 10 games this year for Randy Gregory. So that's a lot of opportunity for Baron Browning. Um, I think Frank Clark, I think he's gonna be the team. Edge, anyways, he's going to be the team leader in sacks. I think Frank Clark is. He's a pretty darn good um, uh, pass rusher. I know in actual sack counts with how they count him, it's been a while since he's had double digits, but when you look Mm -hmm. at pro football focus, they don't do half sacks, and the sack goes to who got there first. He's just consistently above 10 because he gets there so quickly, but he has a similar issue with Baron Browning of being unable to finish by himself. So he has mm-hmm. to have somebody to come help him out and finish that. But I still have him being the guy leading it, um, lead, leading the way. Harold Jean is asking, is Baron Browning not going to play first six weeks this season? Uh, I haven't seen anything about Baron Browning not playing. So I, I heard an update from um, Mike Kliss. It sounds like he's not necessarily going to be ready for the opening of training camp, but they're not going to put him on pup from what I understand. Um, so it, it, I believe, yeah, that's that's right. They're they're he's not going to be ready for the opening of training camp, but they are expecting him to be ready for the beginning of the season. Um, and he might miss a little bit of time, but they weren't going to place him on PUP. Okay, um, from what I understand, yeah, I've, I haven't seen anything about that. Only one I saw was that they're not going to be most likely not going to be placing Javante Williams on the pup list to start the season. Yeah. Um. That they're going to be going on from that. So I'm not. Uh, I know he had. I know he had the knee scope, but mm-hmm. I didn't see anything about him possibly missing some time or anything like that. So thank you, Harold, for bringing that to my attention. Um, did not know that. Um, last one. What's your last full prediction for the for a player on the defense? Well, I don't necessarily have one for a player on the defense, but I have one for the unit overall, and it's it's actually for the uh, the defense coordinator, Nance Joseph. Um, I think that with with the pieces that this this Broncos team has in place, specifically in, in the secondary and at the linebacker position, which is where Vance Joseph really likes to be creative with his linebackers. I think that Vance Joseph has the goods and the talent this season to win assistant coach of the year because you, you he's going to put his players in the best positions to succeed and also that accentuate his skill set. We talked about Damari Mathis. We talked about uh, Pat Sertan. Justin Simmons plays very well as a single high roamer and as a center fielder at the safety position. Caden Stearns is a great player crashing downhill as a, as a run defender. You've got double a gap pressure, which is what Vance Joseph likes to do, bringing his linebackers in the a gap, sugaring it up and making your offensive lineman decide which one to block. And you don't know which one's coming. Is it going to be drew uh, drew Sanders? Is it going to be Alex Singleton? Is it going to be Josie jewel? It's going to be a creative front up front, the creative secondary on the back end where we're going to see everybody on this defense finally be playing in the perfect situation for their skill set. And not to throw shade at Ajiro Evero, not to throw shade at Vic Fangio, who wanted to have their cover scheme dictate everything. This pressure 
the pressure and overall aggressiveness of this Vance Joseph defense is going to shine with the players that they have. And if it does pop, like Eric has in his bold predictions for this team on the, the five bold predictions for the defense, if it does pop, those numbers actually do come to fruition. Vance Joseph very well could win assistant coach of the year this year. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, Vance Joseph is a touchy subject amongst the chat. I remember oh, yeah. what some of you guys have had to say about Vance Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he does, I think that will definitely go a long way to changing some opinions on him. Um, he's he's one guy that I haven't really defended, but I've always liked to point out that DVOA, which is my favorite way of mm-hmm. you know balancing out how a good a unit actually is, he's always been pretty solid for the most part. Obviously, some bad years. Last year was a bad year as the Arizona Cardinals dealt with injuries um, as well. So it's definitely possible. There's a lot of talent. It's one of the more talented defenses he's had to work with. Troy Boer comes in with a $9.99 donation saying, Hey guys, my bold prediction is that we stay, if we stay healthy or is that we stay healthy. And if we do, we make the playoffs. Um, I think it's, I think it's possible. Like it's a tough AFC though. Um, there's a lot of teams that seem to be right on that cusp of playoffs and, uh, for the Broncos to get there, I think they got to pull out at least four divisional games. And I think that's, that's going to be a little bit of a tough ask for them. Um, to get that done, uh, obviously with the Chiefs until they beat them, like I have a hard time them seeing them beat the Chiefs. Um, what what do you think, Lance? Uh, full prediction for the team in general, record, playoffs, maybe they make I, it to the AFC Championship. What's a bold prediction for the team for you? I think defensively, like I just said, you know this 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 team is going to be good enough defensively to keep themselves into several games. We saw it last season, even under Ajiro Evero. If the, if the Broncos would have scored 18 points per game last season, they go 10 and seven. Like that, it, that's, that's a blatant fact. I think this offense is going to be better. I think the defense is going to take maybe a little regression, but it's still going to be very aggressive. Keep them into games. And if you do get Russell Wilson playing at a, a good level, uh, I guess 2018, 2019 level, Russell Wilson, where, you know, 3,500 yards, maybe 400 on the ground, 30 touchdowns passing. If you get that Russell Wilson on the team, and I think that's the biggest contingency factor here, this team could go 10 and seven and find themselves in the playoff chase. And you're going to need to get a game from probably Miami. Miami's going to need to lose a game. You're going to need, like you said, four division games, two against the Raiders, one against the Chiefs and one against the Chargers. If you could possibly get there. 10 and 7, you're knocking on the door, or you can find your way into the dance. And I think it's very possible. Jacob Allen comes in here with a good point. She's put up 45 last year on VJ's defense. With bad talent. With bad but talent. It's more than that. It's mad. It's it's a lot more than that. It is an issue of Vance Joseph and his aggression. You can't yeah. consistently blitz Patrick Mahomes and expect to beat him. Patrick Mahomes will beat you every day of the week when you're blitzing 30, 40% of the time, as Vance Joseph mm-hmm. likes to do. Fans Joseph has to find balance. He's got to be balance out that aggression and, you know, be cautious of the matchups. You don't want to play into Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid's hands by being a heavy blitzing team. They're just mm-hmm. going to eat. They're just going to pick at you time and time again. You just can't do it. So, yes, the defense last year it the, was bad. It was beat up, not a lot of talent, but it was more so a factor of watching the games is that. They have players in the right spots. It's just that they were just constantly beaten because of how good Patrick Mahomes is against the blitz. He knows how to find the opening that you're leaving when you blitz and take advantage of it. Travis Mm -hmm. Kelsey, he knows how to, you know, change up his routes to find that opening Mm -hmm. and Patrick Mahomes happens to find him. So talent, obviously a big deal, but you just can't blitz Patrick Mahomes like like Vance Joseph likes to blitz. Well, and uh, another thing, and I want to kind of piggyback off there and going back to Andy Reid versus Vance Joseph in terms of play calling, Vance Joseph, again, likes to run a lot of heavy man pressure. And what do the Chiefs do on like, what, 64% of their offensive snaps? They run motion. They like to get players in motion behind the line of scrimmage prior to the snap. They always like to do that because it puts the defense on the heels. They have to shift. They have to move. They have to, if you're in man coverage, move from one side of the field all the way over to the other or shift everything over, realign your defense on the fly. That's a big problem for this Broncos defense moving forward. If you have a high motion team, like let's say Miami Dolphins, they run a lot of motion. The San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, getting getting offenses in motion and trying to re-dictate what the defense wants to do creates a lot of different mismatches and 
the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are very good at doing so. And like you said, Pat Mahomes is uh, is a lead against the blitz. Like this dude, if he, he knows to he knows what ball replacement is. So to kind of break it down really fast, and I'll let you get us out of here in a second. Ball replacement, where the blitzer comes, throw the ball to that spot. Ball replacement within the route, identifying where the blitz is coming, hot route to that spot, put the ball there because it's a vacant opening in the defense. Pat Mahomes is elite at that. He's like Tom Brady. It's it's amazing to watch. So gonna be fun to watch this defense against uh Pat Mahomes two times this season. But I think that I think the Broncos are gonna get him. I do think this is year, this is the year the Broncos are actually gonna get the Chiefs. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Um, as I said, I, I have a hard time believing it until I see it. But, anyways, guys, that's gonna do it for us tonight on this wonderful Friday evening. I hope you guys have a enjoy the rest of your night. Have a wonderful weekend. But before we get out of here, we got some matters of business to take care of. Make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review for all of the podcasts. It gives you guys a chance to win some stuff. Make sure you check out the Instagram for Mile High Huddle. That is at Mile Under Mile High Huddle with an underscore between Mile and Mile High and High Huddle. Um, check out, make sure you're signed up and following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. If you guys have the extra money, I mean, holidays are coming up, you know, maybe start pointing it to your significant others, your parents, family, um, mhhmerch.com. It's where it's our merchandise store. You guys can go get some hats. You can get shirts. You can get all sorts of stuff there that you can, you know, use as your gift giving for the holidays, for birthdays, anniversaries whatever or maybe just you know out of the sweetness of your hearts make sure you're following the the mothership of the twitter accounts at mile i huddle um that's where you can get access to all the articles all the podcasts everything that we do it's always put up on the twitter account so make sure you guys are checking that out as well as make sure you are checking out the mhh pod on twitter and the dove valley deep divers that is at dvdd underscore pod make sure you guys are following all of those on twitter as well as following Lance and I, I'm at it. My Twitter handle is at Eric Trickle. That is E-R-I-C-K-T-R-I-C-K-E-L. Um, yes, I'm one of those weirdos that spells the name Eric with a C-K. Um, and then make sure you're also following Lance Sanderson. It's at Lance S underscore M-H-H. You can see, find us on Twitter. And if you guys ever have any questions, you can always reach out to us on Twitter um, through DMs, through tweets, whatever. Um, so, do what you can help us help support us. I mean, we appreciate you guys showing up every week. Make sure you're leaving a like, make sure you're subscribing, sharing word of mouth. Can't tell you how big word of mouth is for helping spread, um, make the shows more popular and everything. Um, it's absolutely such a big help. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. And before we get out of here, Lance, any final words? Uh, no, I, I think you pretty much hit everything other than got to say hi to Todd, uh, jumping in. Sorry, late to the party. What's up, Todd? Thank you for joining us. Thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful Friday evening. We definitely appreciate each and all of your guys support. And as always, I'll let Eric close us out here, but I have to end the show. Uh, you all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Make sure you guys stay safe. Um, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy it. Um, I'm going to be heading down to the beach here a little bit. My in-laws are down and they're down dip netting. So going to be, you know, dealing with all that here shortly, but make sure you guys have a wonderful weekend. We will be back next week. Send me some fish. (laughs) We will be back next week and next week. So start a training camp. So make sure you guys are here. We'll have all the stuff that we can get about the first day of that. Anyways, until then, have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe and enjoy life. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.